of the Christmas season together. And so we are glad you're here. I um, just invite you to uh, make yourself comfortable to enjoy the worship through song. Um, follow along as we read scripture together. We'll be reading from Micah chapter 5 in just a few moments. And whether you're listening online, you're sitting here in person, and it's your 100th time or more, or your very first time, um, we are glad you're here. We praise the Lord for your presence, and we look forward to worshiping together um, today. So welcome to Cross Timber. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
seated. Виїжджали на 10-й день війни, і це був самий початок. Рішення прийняв чоловік відправити нас. Я їхала сама, вся родина залишилася вдома. Ми в безпеці, так. І, звичайно, перші слова чоловіку, що ми в безпеці вже все. Ми на місці, ми в Польщі, нас добре прийняли. People stay in the house anywhere from two days to long term. We have one lady that's been there almost since it opened and is there currently. Так, цей дім взагалі для мене став як другий дім, тому що ми майже рік тут. Холі Крістіна нас зустріла. Ну, тобто реально так я знову відчула, що я в безпеці. І мені необхідно було бути і серед людей, тому що також важкі часи якось Переживатися все разом було мені легше. Це наша друга мама, можна сказати. Ми почали біблію на центрі. Одна з людей одна ніч говорила з мене, що її сім'я була проти її. Um, setting religion or knowing anything about it. And she didn't know which one was true. And she said, so I just prayed and asked God if he would show me which one is true, which one should I believe, what can I believe? But then the war happened and I came here. And she's like, and then I realized that, that God led me here and he led me to you. And so she's like, and now I get to study the Bible and now I can learn. Those are the days that you leave super encouraged about what the Lord is doing. So those are good days. wonderful to see God's work around the world. Just a, a side note, um, Holly McMickle was a, mission, was a journeyman with the International Mission Board with Gary and Carolyn Miller um, in Hungary. And so if she looked familiar and you've been to Hungary um, the first couple of times, um, Holly would have been there um, working with, with students at the University of Debreson and working along with Gary and Carolyn. So it's great to see God's faithfulness um, and his continued work around the world as we support um, his work through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Just a reminder, our goal uh, for the church is $4,500, and you can give today, you can give next week, um, you can give anytime. Just make sure you put on there Lottie or Lottie Moon so that we um, know where to direct it. Um, our scripture reading this morning is Micah chapter 5. We'll be reading the first five verses together, and then our deacons will come and we'll receive our offering. Micah writes these words, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give up 
them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces. Then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Israel with a sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our borders. Gentlemen, we come. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we bow before you and recognize that all that we are and, and all that we have is a gift from your hand. And we pray as we take up these tithing offerings, Lord, that you would use them to further your kingdom according to your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. It was not a silent night There was blood Joseph at her i 
Would you stand and sing with us? Thank you. 
you're still have your Bibles in Micah chapter 5 from earlier, it'll be to your advantage. If not, you can wind your way through the those little books called the Minor Prophets and find your place there in Micah 5. We'll be there this morning as we continue looking at um, just the, the time leading up to Christmas using the theme in a, a manger that God brought the Savior of the world, not to a glorious palace, but to a simple manger in a small town called Bethlehem. I was thinking about um, Lottie Moon just a moment ago, and I forgot to mention that um, I heard recently from our friends um, Gary and Carolyn Miller, who are um, not only missionaries with the International Mission Board um, in Hungary, and they have been for several years, but also um, members um, of our church here. And they um, just sent greetings and their love and just prayed for us and for the continued work there. Um, they remembered fondly the, the partnership we had in the past, and um, they um, said that they still use um, some of the um, ideas that we have um, in different situations and that our partnership with them over the years stands as an example of um, two different groups about what can happen when um, when churches um, partner with missionaries. And then after he said those nice things, he said, I can still um, vision, I still can envision a partnership with Cross Timber um, with another of our churches in Hungary. So um, if you are hungry for Hungary, um, you might keep that on the radar and begin praying um, and see what um, the Lord might be up to in that. Another thought, just I, I can't remember what the, the nationwide goal is for Lottie Moon, but it's it's in the millions. It's $40 million, $45 million. Our goal is $4,500. But I was just thinking about money being spent in just unbelievably foolish ways. And just to give you a, an idea, $1.2 billion spent this week just in sports. Um, golfer John Rahm was um, given a $500 million signing bonus to jump from the PGA Tour to the Upstart Live Golf Tour, which is um, backed by the, um, the Saudi Arabian Investment Fund. Um, but then, if that didn't top it all, yeah, um, news broke um, yesterday. Um, Shohei Otani, um, baseball player, um, he pitches and he bats, and he's very good, um, signed a 10-year, $700 million um, contract. So you, sign, you put those two together, it's $1.2 billion. Um, and let's just pray that maybe a couple of those guys, you know, if they're not saved, they get saved. And, man, just if, if they tithed off that to uh, Lottie Moon, um, you know, we'd be close to the goal. So um, just a thought, you know, as you, as you look at um, your finances and continue to think about what God might have you to give, just remember that it goes for that work um, like Gary and Carolyn do. I'm in Hungary, like we saw in the video, they're working with refugees and then also in other places in the world. So, um, But we're coming to the place in Micah today to look at this little um, book of prophecy to talk about the idea of peace. And I want us to think about this main idea that Jesus came so that sinful people could have peace with God themselves and others. Now, there's been people all throughout time that have worked to bring about peace. I think most, um, I thought 
just most in the recent days, one of the ones that I think about is the work that um, President Jimmy Carter did while he was in office, that he worked um, diligently, um, this you know, wonderful man from Georgia who taught Sunday school into his 90s and would still climb up on roofs and work with Habitat for Humanity, that his desire while he was in office was to work to bring peace in the Middle East. And we know that others have endeavored for the same, and we still pray for not only the peace of Jerusalem, but for just the settling of hostilities in that area and other parts in the world. And we come to the reality very quickly that peace is not likely to happen, at least in any long-term sense, until God decides to send his son to return to the earth, and he establishes peace on earth. But well before that second coming, which could be any day, but we don't know what day, there was the first arrival. We heard it in the songs that we sang about this morning, that Mary and Joseph went to that little town of Bethlehem to pay their taxes, to be counted in a census. Mary had the baby that was promised to her that would be from the Holy Spirit. They would call his name Jesus and he would save the people from their sins. And part of that is the idea that peace is possible through the person of Jesus. We've read in Micah, and I want that phrase to to set in your mind as we pray in verse 5, and he shall be their peace. Paul, the apostle, said it a little differently. He said he himself is our peace, speaking about Jesus. So let's pray this morning and ask God as as we open up his word that he would speak to our hearts and challenge us in this area of peace. Thank you, O Lord, that we can gather together. Thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we have your spirit. So we are not left ill-equipped to hear your voice as you speak from the pages of Scripture. But God, we pray that you would help us to, to block out distractions, to set our hearts and our minds on you for these minutes, and specifically on the subject of peace, the person of Jesus who came so that we could have peace with God, peace in our hearts, and peace with those around us. Speak to us, change us, and transform us by your word and through your spirit. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Three simple points on an outline for us to look at. And the first thing I want us to kind of begin to understand is that peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace is much more than just ending hostilities or everybody getting along, sitting in a circle around a campfire and singing, you know, Kumbaya. Many people have searched for it. Everyone needs it. Only few find it in their hearts. And I found this wonderful quote from someone who has an even more interesting name, first name Navine. I've never heard anyone, Navine Ritchie. And listen to what she writes. The peace offered by the world is empty. It's an empty promise and can bring only temporary comfort. But God's peace is permanent peace offered by the only one who can be trusted 
to keep his word and heal our sin. So what exactly is peace if it's not everybody getting along? Well, in the Bible, the peace can simply be described as this. As you look at the idea of peace throughout the Bible, it's everything being right, well, and good from God's perspective. Now, it's based on two different words. One's an Old Testament word, shalom, and the other is a New Testament word, arene. But you find out that the word, the idea for peace in the New Testament comes exactly from the Old Testament. So they really just kind of smush together to help us understand that peace is everything being right, well, and good from God's perspective. Now, notice it says God's perspective. It's not necessarily our perspective. But the Old Testament idea of shalom is the idea of wholeness or completeness. Something being sound on the inside and on the outside has the notes of health, security, tranquility, stability. It's a satisfied condition that affects the whole being. It's used in the ideas of unity, restoration, and right relationships. And it's seen perfectly in the idea that creation, which was broken in the fall, will be restored one day to perfection like creation was before the fall. Now you take the Greek word, and the Greek word means basically to have everything law, have law and order established. In the Greek minds, they used it to describe blessing and prosperity. So when you know they talked about in the Roman world the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, it was blessing and prosperity for the Romans who had ruled the world. But it's based in this Old Testament idea of shalom wholeness or completeness, and it also gives the idea of something that's been separated being joined back together, everything in its proper place. And the human race, you and I, we seek after peace, we strive for peace, we try to make peace, even people that don't claim to believe in God pray for peace, but there's only one who can provide true and lasting peace in the world, in our hearts. And peace is not some abstract concept that that we try to define. No, peace is something that's even better than that. It's a person, and even more importantly, Jesus is our peace. It's what Micah looked forward to and saw that there would be a Messiah that would be born in Bethlehem, in this little town, too small to even be mentioned in the naming of the cities by Joshua. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. So from Bethlehem, for God's purposes, would come who would be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So in these verses, This verse, we find out that there would be a Messiah coming from the house of David. Remember, we talked about that last week. He would be from the seed of Abraham. He would rule over God's people. And he'd be born in a little bitty town that not many people knew about called Bethlehem. Not much ever happened there, but things were sure about to change. That from the smallest of the small, the greatest king of all, the king of kings would come. And it hopefully, should be a reminder to you that that God often uses things that we consider small and insignificant or people that we consider of no consequence to do great and wonderful things. 
but it also should remind us that God had a plan from the very beginning. God didn't look down in the garden, see Adam and Eve sin, shake his head and say, oh no, what am I going to do now? No, he already had a plan in place that there would be a deliverer, a Messiah who would come into the world as a baby, but he also was already in existence before his birth. So Jesus was Jesus in the heavens before he was Jesus in the manger. And he says he's from old, from ancient days. Now this is more than just a long time ago. It means that he is pre-existent, he existed before creation, and he's eternal, that he always was and always will be. And so God's promise was not forgotten. It was seemingly delayed and people longed for it, but at just the right time, Jesus would come to bring peace to the nations. And verse 5 underlines that for us, and he shall be their peace. You have to understand that during this time, the prophet Isaiah is also writing, and we know the wonderful words he said that, you know, that there would be one who would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, and then the Shar Shalom, the prince of peace. But if you literally look at this verse, it just, it says literally in Hebrew, this shall be the peace. Now translators, because they like to help us, insert the words he and there So they take this and replace it with he, he shall be, and he puts their peace. Now it doesn't mean that that's not what it means, it just means it helps us in our minds to understand it. Now if we were alive in Micah's day, we would know that Sennacherib and the Assyrians were the troublemakers of the region. They were actually more than troublemakers, they were a bunch of really bad guys that would would ransack, kill, burn, and take control of the land. But in this day, it was a pointing forward to the day that God would deliver Hezekiah and the kingdom from Sennacherib and the Assyrians. But also it pointed forward to a time when God would send an even greater deliverer, the greatest deliverer, who would not defeat just a a kingdom that was inconsequential in in the time of eternity, but Satan and his kingdom would be defeated. And... Today, in 2023, we live in a time between the first arrival of that king that we celebrate now at Christmas and the second arrival, his return, his second coming. When he came as a baby, he came to establish his kingdom, a kingdom of peace, peace that would reign in human hearts, but he will return and he will establish peace on earth. When he came, he came to deliver us from the power of sin and the dominion of darkness. When he returns again, he will set all things under his feet fully and finally. But in his great victory, he has defeated the great enemies that we face, sin, death, and hell. And we have this wonderful privilege today to enter into this glorious kingdom through repentance and faith. And this kingdom continues to be alive and growing in human hearts. Until one day when he returns and that kingdom is fully established. Because Jesus is our peace. He came to make 
peace. And only Jesus can set everything to be right, well, and good the way God intended. Now, I'm not interested in um, political views on the United Nations, but I was interested in the um, United Nations peacekeeping forces that are active around the world at any moment. And currently there are 12 operations in many different countries. And the stated mission of the United Nations Peacekeeping Force is to help countries navigate the difficult path from conflict to peace. So they assist in keeping the peace in regions and also promoting lasting peace. But there's only one problem. There's only one person that can bring that lasting peace, that can bring peace on earth. And Micah writes about it. In the 8th century before Christ, more than 700 years before his advent, that there was only one who could ever make peace, and it was Jesus who is our peace, and through him we see the second thing, that peace is preserved. You look at Christmas cards, and you see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and you see, oh God, what a cute little guy he was, and some draw him with a little glowing halo above his head. And every now and then you come across one that will highlight the fact that that cute little baby born in the manger came to save sinners. That he came to make peace between God and men. But that peace came at a very costly price. See, that peace was secured by Jesus. It wouldn't be through military might. It didn't come through political maneuvering. It would come through humility and sacrifice, suffering, death. Listen to what Isaiah wrote about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us, what? Peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Centuries later, when Paul wrote to the Colossians, he tells us that Jesus was making peace by the blood of his cross. So when we sing those Christmas songs, peace on earth, goodwill to men, we celebrate that Jesus came to bring that peace. But we have to understand that that peace was secured on the cross through his suffering and through his death. And that peace can come only to those who receive him by faith. But Jesus didn't come to make peace alone. He also came to maintain peace. Now I mentioned earlier that Micah 5 points to both the first and the second coming of Jesus. The first coming, peace came to God and man, and then the second coming is the final defeat when he makes all things new and sets everything right just as he intends. And right now, in the, in the day we live in, we see glimpses of the coming kingdom. We see peace in human hearts. And that Jesus is still at work to watch over and protect and to rule over his kingdom. That he is, at the same time, the great shepherd and the reigning king 
And so we see not only did he secure peace, but he's the caring shepherd. Now, if you read the Old Testament prophets, you find that the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, are chastised because they are taking advantage of the sheep and living off the sheep. But they point toward one who would be the great shepherd. Now, a shepherd knows sheep, undoubtedly either loves his paycheck or loves sheep. The shepherds we see in the Bible love their sheep. They care for them, they feed them, and they protect them. And they are his sheep. And as Jesus points to, sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And while there were leaders over Israel called shepherds, the greatest of all shepherds would be the one we call Jesus, the Christ. Listen to verse 4, the first part. And he shall stand... And shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Just as a shepherd would stand alert and ready, willing and able, with all of the power available to them to protect his sheep on the grandest scale of all, Jesus stands always ready, always willing, with all power and authority to defend his sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But he's more than a shepherd. He's a reigning king. And if you draw these connections and you think, well, this just sounds just like David. You know, David was a shepherd boy. Now he's king. Remember, he's from the house of David. And Isaiah said one who is coming that would be a prince of peace. Zechariah in his prophecy said that he would come and proclaim peace to the nations. And here Micah tells us that from little Bethlehem God would bring, in verse 5, one who is to be ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from old and from ancient days. And his reign would be eternal, no beginning, no end from of old, and it would come from far back in the past, farther than we could even begin to reckon in ancient days, and his purpose would be to bring peace. And listen to how that peace is described in verse 4, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. And because Jesus is our peace, he provided peace, then peace is possible. God promised that wonderful good news that peace was coming. We sing in songs about peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's echoed in the message of the angels that it would be earth-shaking, life-changing news to some simple shepherds. And because Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus rules, reigns, and shepherds, we can sleep, as the song says, in heavenly peace. Now this peace is evident in three ways, and the other two are based on the first. And the first is peace with God. 
We mentioned it last week, but it's worth mentioning again and continually. Sin broke the relationship between God and man. Only Jesus can restore that relationship to mend what is broken. And so peace between God and man is made through Jesus. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, faith in Jesus implied there, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to be at peace with God? To recognize that it was Jesus alone who paid the price for our sin. He took our punishment. He took the stroke of death that we deserve. And when we put our trust in Him, in the glory of His death and resurrection, then we are no longer enemies with God. No enemy with God. It's peace. But we are more than that. We are children of God. The hope that we once thought was wishful thinking is now certain. And it's better than than finding that missing piece of a puzzle when you find the peace that God provides through Jesus that over time as you grow in Him slowly starts to put the pieces of your life back together. Because that peace with God leads to peace within you. So when you make peace with God, you have peace in your life. And the Bible describes that peace as daily peace, abiding peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. That there is a condition of satisfaction and contentment, rest, in the middle of the weary world that we live in. That the weary heart and the weary soul can both rejoice because there is a Savior named Jesus who came to bring peace. But if we've even come to know that peace, there's a problem. Sometimes we just lose sight of it. Worry, panic, doubt, fear settle in. And so we need to remind ourselves quite often that peace on a daily basis is possible in Christ. Looking to the idea that it's found in that relationship we have with Jesus, it's not in our circumstances. It's not in our most recent blood work. It's not in our checkbook balance. It's not in looking around and and seeing how we're getting along with the in-laws or the outlaws in our family. But it's having Jesus in your life, ruling and reigning in the proper place that brings peace. And it's peace that can be eternal, and it's peace that can affect every area of your life. But we have to stand against fear, doubt, worry, and even the ideas of the world, and we have to let the peace of Christ be in charge. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Colossians, Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So peace calls the shots, not our circumstances, but also God's peace is 
a protecting peace. Paul writing to the Philippians, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which means you can't figure it out, you, you'll, leave, you'll find yourself scratching your head, you shouldn't even try, but it says what it'll do, it'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hurt hearts, worried minds can find protection and safety in the peace that only God provides through Jesus. hard to believe, but if we really are honest in our relationship with Jesus, there's really no place for worry, which really scares me because that's probably on my top ten list of things I'm good at, and it probably is in the top three, and if I'm really honest, it might be number two, but number one is fretting, and so, um, but it's hard to believe that we really don't have to worry if we trust ourselves into the arms of Jesus and rely on his peace, knowing that he will guard us. He can guard our heart and our mind, our whole being, and we can have peace in Christ. So this peace that Christ provides can lead us, can guard us, but it should also move us in a direction toward others and cause us to be a peacemaker. Billy Graham's um, famous track that's still in print today from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Steps to Peace with God. It's wonderful. But listen to what Billy Graham said also. To be a peacemaker, you must first know the peace giver. And so peace with God, peace within yourself, but also peace with others. Now, how? What does that look like? Well, we certainly want to share the message of peace when we have opportunity. We've looked at this a lot lately. It's the ministry of reconciliation, that God can be reconciled to man and we can be reconciled with one another, that peace with God is a possibility. What a wonderful message to share around Christmas that you can have peace with God. Second, we can we should work as far as we are able to, to live at peace with others. Now, it implies that it may or may not be possible to live at peace with everybody. But the instruction there is that we should do our part. We should go as far as possible to live at peace. It's Romans twelve eighteen. So how do we do that? We do what we can. We pray. And we trust God to do the rest. We recognize that it might happen. It might not happen. But we know in our heart and in our conscience that we've done what is possible. So we, we do our best as God gives us as far as we can to live at peace with others. But then also we promote peace. Romans fourteen nineteen points us in this direction. How do you promote peace? It's living in those attitudes that are worked out in us through the Holy Spirit. It's humility. It's love toward others. It's constantly putting others before yourself. It's looking for opportunities to be the peacemaker when possible. How do you do that? You've got to be in an attitude of prayer before you walk into situations. You have to be willing to overlook an offense. Another great way, if you're good at this and you're careful, if you're not overly sarcastic, is you can bring appropriate levity in tense situations. You ever been in one of those things and you feel like the room's just about to explode and then somebody just says something that just lightens it and everybody chuckles? Now, sometimes I've been in those situations and somebody says something and everybody groans and looks at the guy like, 
why in the world did you say that? That's not very funny. But there are people that are gifted that can just bring a lightness to a very tense situation. Sometimes that's helpful. Maybe another way is that you can help somebody cool off a bit. You know, maybe you're the listening ear. Maybe you're the voice of reason that says, hey, can I talk to you just a second? And maybe you just help gently move someone out of a situation and let them, you know, calm down a bit before things get too heated. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. You must work at it. And so to be a peacemaker, it takes work. But it's worth it. And we have to realize in humility that it may not be possible. But we know at the end of the day we've done what we can. So a peacemaker works to make peace with God. And he relies on God's peace in their own heart to help them to live at peace with others. Which brings us full circle to what we mentioned at the beginning, that Jesus came so sinful people could have peace with God, peace with themselves, and peace with others. There's been many songs written with the word peace. Um, If you were either a Muppet fan or a John Denver fan, um, you may have watched the Muppet Christmas special in 1979 along with John Denver who fancied him, himself to, well, actually offered himself up to sing with the Muppets. I guess he found that he harmonized well with, with Kermit or some of the others. But they sang in one of those shows a song written by another man called The Peace Carol. It may have been lost because it was in a you know a kid special with a bunch of puppets, um, but some sing it. It's available in sheet music, and I'm supposing because it's available that some may even sing it in a, in a church setting. But I want us to listen to these words, and then I'm going to just give you a quick three things that we can take away from this passage, and we'll pray. The peace carol. The garment of life, be it tattered and torn. The cloak of the soldier is withered and worn, but what child is this that was poverty born? The peace of Christmas Day. The branch that bears the bright holly, the dove that rests in yonder tree, the light that shines for all to see, the peace of Christmas Day. The hope that has slumbered for 2,000 years, a promise that silenced a thousand fears, a faith that can hobble an ocean of tears, the peace of Christmas Day. And all the grief that people may bear, total the strife and the troubles and care, put them in columns and leave them right there, the peace of Christmas Day. Three things. Make peace with God first. That's where it all starts. You don't have peace with God, you're not going to have any peace in your life, and it'll be impossible to have peace with others. So it starts there. Peace with God. How? Through faith in Jesus. If you've done that, check the box. Amen. You move to the next. But you always pray for others to have that peace with God, opening their 
eyes to the truth of the gospel, make peace with God. But you may say, well, I did that once, I'm saved, but I'm just not really, you know, God and I are not really in a great position right now because, you know, I'm not real happy with the way things are going and I wish they were different. Maybe you look at yourself and you think your relationship's just really not what it once was. You've, you've drifted away and you realize it's not God's problem, it's your problem. But you can come back, you can realize that He has made peace with you and you can be at peace in your heart with Him today. The second thing is not related to peace, but to remember little Bethlehem. It's an interesting fact that we have, you know, a little town, we have lowly shepherds in the story. But I think it's a reminder that we should not look over insignificant things, what we think are insignificant circumstances and things in our lives, and realize that God is working in us to do his purposes all along the way. But also we shouldn't underestimate our own worth or our own value, realizing that we are created in the image of God and what and while we may view ourselves as insignificant, God may be preparing us for something um, of some of his kingdom work that could be much more significant than we could ever imagine. So remember a little better plan. And then the final thing is to share peace with others. Be a peace lover, be a peace promoter, be a peace sharer. Because Jesus came so sinful people could have peace with God themselves and others. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to the close of our time this morning and we are just reminded of your goodness toward us. The extent that you went to so that we could live in peace with you with in our hearts and with others. And as we read in the lyrics of the song, that we could take all the grief that people bear and all the strife and troubles and the care of the world. And it would be easy to just worry and to fret. Oh Lord, in the midst of those things called circumstances, you can bring about peace. Peace that reigns and lives. So Lord, as we've looked at hope and we've looked at peace, Lord, help us in this Christmas season to keep on our lips words of praise and testimony that point toward you. Help us to make peace with you, to pray for others to make peace. Help us to not see ourselves as insignificant, but to look at ourselves and say, God, what do you want to do in me? And Lord, help us to be, as we have opportunity, peacemakers with others. And we trust you would help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to play some quiet music on the piano as we have opportunity to pray and reflect. It's time for you to to just listen to God as he speaks um, to your heart. Maybe to nail down a commitment, something God has brought up and you've thought about and think, gosh, I need to you know, talk to God about this. You know, Don't wait till tomorrow. You can do it right now. Maybe it's you know, God's plugging me in um, to something he's called me to 
to serve in a particular way or to a ministry. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just laying down burdens off your heart and trusting in God's peace. Or maybe there's some other need. You need someone to pray for you or or with you and just ask you to look left or right. If there's somebody there, you pray with me or, you know, you can come down front. I'd be happy to pray with you. But I do invite you to stand, listen quietly, and as God, you don't have to stand, you can see. Um, Listen quietly, and as God um, God leads, you respond. So let's listen to the Lord together. Let me just remind you of a few things before we uh, we part ways this morning. First thing, just remember, we're still collecting our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is $4,500. We have just a little over 400 collected now, so be praying about that. Um, if you didn't, um, utilize the prayer guide um, from last week. Start this week. If you've used it once, it's great. You can use it again. Um, continue to do that. Um, don't forget this evening. Um, is our church-wide Christmas party, um, along with caroling. So if you are interested in caroling, um, please try to be here about 5.15 because they are hoping they need to depart at 5.30 to be able to go. And so we'll group up and divide out. Um, party starts at 6.30. So bring a snack, whether either a dessert or something else that we can enjoy together. If you want to participate in the gift exchange game, which is not required, but it will be fun. Um, just bring a gift, $10 and under. It can be something useful. It can be something funny. Um, and um, then also just remember that Dr. Don Newberry will be here um, tonight um, sharing um, some wor- words with us. Now, in preparation for that, if you have opportunity and you have time, when we're finished this morning, we need to stack chairs in the sanctuary um, and then um, to be able to prepare for the party later on. So if you're available, um, your help would be appreciated as we stack chairs and get things ready for the party. I want to thank you for for worshiping with us this morning. The worship team is going to lead us in a closing song. So um, why don't you stand up and be ready to sing.
and when we're finished singing, um, you're dismissed. Lord bless you. Just try.